0: and welcome everybody to episode seven now of the chilled esports podcast i am your host again here eugene caffin and i'm joined alongside me as well this week uh by my good and excellent friend joseph ray joey how are you man
1: i am doing bloody excellent man i'm doing really awesome
0: yeah that's really cool it's really cool um you excited to be here today
1: man i'm always excited i'm excited not by the uh eSports action, but by the fact that I got to play more ranked games this week, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, nice, nice. It's always always a good thing to uh, uh get ranked and uh get good. Get ranked <laughs> Cool, cool. And I'm also joined here by my good friend Christian. Christian, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks mate. Uh very, very happy to be here. Yeah, cool, cool. I'm oh man, I'm excited this week. Although thanks, I, there's actually just not much going on. <laughs> so that's so um, it's just always a good week in Blizzard, though. So yeah, you know, it's... we always we can't be you know we can never be um, complacent. We have all these awesome games to play. So anyway, let's just get right into it into our week in Blizzard. So, gentlemen, my week has been an emotional roller coaster ride.
1: Why is well, why so emotional now? What's going on?
0: Yeah, I know. I'm normally not like this, but you're like an, you're like an emo kid from the '90s. Like, yeah, exactly. Um it's pretty pretty similar, so I had a crazy, crazy ride of yeah. um just losing a lot. I just started losing every single game and every single thing that I was doing in games this week and um and it just really got me down one of the days, but you know I obviously uh bounced back a little bit on the weekend and um was able to like you know do some good things so um basically it i I was playing um hearthstone early in the week. And yeah. I didn't matter what deck I was playing. I was trying to play Odd Rogue because there'd been a lot of changes. And um, I was all the way up at, like, rank 18 five stars, right? I was on yeah. the cusp of getting rank 17, which is, like, the highest I've ever been. I know Juicy! It's, I know that it's laughable for most other people, but it was really exciting for me because I wanted to, like, get to rank 15 so that uh, when the season changed over, I didn't have to grind so much. Absolutely. Um, but... I just went on a massive losing streak and I'm just like, oh God. I, I, and I got to rank 19, uh, back to rank 19. I'm like, all right, it's time to like, you know, get serious. Let's change it up. Odd Rogue's not really working. So I tried even Shaman and yep. then I get down to like, you know, zero stars rank 19. I'm like, fuck.
2: Oh no, not even Shaman.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, it happens. yeah, it does. And then I'm just like, all right time to pull out the fucking a card the goddamn taunt druid
1: yeah boy control all the way yeah i was like
0: (laughs) control get my board back and i ended up winning one game but then then i just lost i just lost like these really really long grindy games and now Ah. i'm just back down to rank 20 i'm like well fuck it i'm done that's gonna get you down Yep, so I tried all these different decks, and then I was just like, yeah, whatever. And so when I was in rank 20, I'm just like, yeah, you know what, don't even care. And after the nerfs, I decided to see what even Paladin would look like without Call to Arms. Mm-hmm. Sucks dick. <laughs> it's, just... it's really that bad, is it? Oh, man, it's so bad. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man, I, I thought I thought it could be okay, because I really liked all the... So they have all these really, like, really cool tools, like they have Light Fuse on. Yeah. Um, sure. you know, they have the dry gold strailer to get all the um get all the silver hand recruits. Um uh, you know, and you can buff them and then I don't have Sunkeeper Tarim, but if I did you could Sunkeeper Tarim to like, you know, finally go face. But um without Call to Arms, uh, you don't really load up the board with your minions fast enough to really contest anything. And um it turns out that in if it's playing fairly, uh it just doesn't really work too well. And yeah, sure. Um yeah, it just really sucked. Uh what I found was the Odd Odd Paladin is actually doing much much better now.
1: Odd Paladin,
0: huh? Yeah, so Odd Paladin is doing a lot better. Um because they didn't Is
1: that really... because
0: Odd Paladin got Call to Arms? No, not because of that. They didn't they don't use Call to Arms. Um okay. So it just it just um does everything just as well as Even Paladin did, except it um it didn't have the board reload. So it turns out as soon as you get rid of that, it's a bit bad. Um, mm. What I have been trying though is Murloc Paladin and that's what I'm going to be playing pretty much from now on. Um, because that can use Call to Arms uh, pretty effectively because you have a bunch of two drops in there. It's nowhere near as powerful as it was before, um, but I think with yeah. getting, getting some like Murlocs, you know, cause you can get some charged ones, you can get some, you can get your war leaders and things that buff all your Murlocs, so. It could be pretty good, and then you have the big, you know, busted sunkeeper taunt uh, you know, the Lich King type turns, and um, <laughs> yeah, the, the value funny. engine called uh, Tyrion Fordering. So oh, that sounds good. Yeah, so like... <laughs> value is always good. Yeah, yeah, it is super good, and you have all these controlly things like um, Equality Consecrate and all the things that you could normally run in even, uh, except yeah. you get the advantage of having to play odd cards as well, so... That's what I'm doing. Um The big shining light though from my Hearthstone week is that as soon as I uh, was like just, you know, pretty pissed off with the PvP part of it, I decided mm-hmm. to do some PvE um, okay. and I finally uh, defeated the Lich King with all of my, with all the classes and I got the Arthas hero.
1: Oh yeah, Arthas Menethil. So that nice. changes, uh, that changes Uther,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it changes Uther uh, into Arthas now. And yep. um, he just has this really shiny animation when you um when you do the your hero power. And nice. you know, it's just it's just really awesome. So I'm just gonna be doing that all day now, like Paladin all day. Doesn't matter what doesn't matter what deck it is, if it's good, if it's bad, it's just gonna be paladin all day just because I wanna like I wanna be Arthas, you know.
1: Yeah, fair enough, man.
0: <laughs> um so yeah, so that's going on. Um and lastly, I was actually a big fan of uh our show last week.
1: Oh, well uh, why were you Why's that?
0: Cuz I did some aim training. Oh, aim good, training. good. Yeah, so I took uh, I took some advice from Christian um about uh changing my um settings. Yeah. Um so I Okay, so first of all, um, Razer, tech- Razer software is also a piece of bullshit. So I can't actually change my like DPI, but that doesn't matter. Um, I just uh, experimented with changing my um, mouse sensitivity. So I didn't change it to as low as Christian for his hit scans. No, not as low as three, but I did go under ten. So I, I settled on about seven or eight um, yeah. for most of my um, most of my settings. Um, so that's um that's something that's like actually been improving um a lot of my aim that I've been noticing in the practicing range anyway. And um interestingly enough, which we'll I'll talk a little bit about when we get to it, is that I actually saw this in practice in the Overwatch League. So mm-hmm. I ended up watching um instead of like you know watching the mad headshots and whatnot, I was watching what was happening with a lot of the players' curses and where they were sitting and yep. um yeah i did i did notice some some interesting things so we'll talk about that talk about that later um as well i have like a set roster now for ones that i'm going to be playing and i've sort of banked on trying to play the easier to play heroes for the time being um okay. just to um you know just to try get some like familiarity with with all of the other techniques and things that i should be doing so 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 uh we're gonna see a lot of uh aiming free champions like uh winston yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so ones that are just easier to shoot with winston is one um but winston is a bit... it aiming free or aiming light i think it's aiming light you still have to like aim it in the correct direction and like you have to be <laughs> doing the hokey pokey with um where you are in the team fights and whatnot so sure. um but yeah just ones that are a bit easy to execute like aim wise you know, not like you yeah, not like um, playing uh, Widowmaker or Hanzo or anything like, or McCree or anything that requires like the you know the the deadly aim.
2: Well,
1: McCree's deadly aim is, I guess, part of the thing that makes him really powerful, right? Because uh, the problem with having a, a hit scan weapon that does so much damage that can headshot is, um, it sort of lends itself the most to cheese so like if you if you're gonna hack the overwatch client and you get map hacks and stuff and you can see where they are you can sort of set up your shot quickly dock out and make it mm. um which which makes hitscan champions actually probably the hardest to balance because with other with other champions like farrah you you can just change the speed of her rockets to subtly nerf her or subtly buff her yeah that's very Jakin, true Jakin, it's gonna just hit it's gonna shoot to a line and especially with mccree who's a straight shooting hit shot champion Unlike Soldier, who has a lot of more scatter on his uh, burst fire.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I do. I do see what you mean about the balance issue. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's why that's, that's why McCree has to be hard to play, sort of by design.
0: Mm, yeah. Very true. Very true. All right, man. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's go with Joey. Joey, what's been happening in your week, dude? So my week has been marked
1: by a glorious event. Mm-hmm. I actually was able to put down the computer for a couple seconds, vis a vis programming. And uh-huh. pick it up for a couple of seconds vis-a-vis actually playing ranked again, yes, in H in Here's the Storm.
0: Yeah, nice dude.
1: Yeah, so that's that's been a really good thing. And I've been I've been really wanting to get to the place where I can just do a little pro, do a little bit of programming, sort of during my lunch hour and when I just get home. Then all the family crap. <laughs> and then, and then just setting aside this this time where I where I can finally play uh, games just for myself. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. So, but what I wanted to talk about with what I learned from Heroes sort of this week was um, mm-hmm. following a strategy disagreement. So, generally, when you get into ranked, you have sort of the shot caller guy or the there's a shot that will be called that you're gonna think was that what i really want to do right now or like i think it's better to split push as opposed to take camps
0: yeah sure but yeah so you have like differing opinions about what's going on
1: yeah but in general i've always found it's just better to go with the shot no matter how bad it is just because the shot has been called Mm. and it's actually down in uh, at least in lower ranks to execution. Um, how that shot's going to play out? Yeah, right. So, so suppose the the, the call is like collapse Sonya, um, but Sonya's been beasting people all game, and she always gets away like totally free. Your options are: don't follow your team and just watch as your team, you know, gets beasted by Sonya.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Or follow your team. Maybe Sonya will misplay. And just mention, sort of with a ping or something, uh, we also need to defend top. And then generally, as a team, you'll sort of work it out, or you won't win. Because you always have to remember that with MMR and Ranked and all this stuff that we do, you're probably going to lose 20% of games. Just, and you've just lost them at the outset. It's just a game you have got to lose, and you have no option but to lose. And so your only real option in that game is to play as good as you can and try and get the most out of it. Yeah, sure. So you really have to look in in each individual game. What am I really getting out of it? It's like, can I I improve my gameplay um, in the next 20 minutes Um, by doing just something original or refining something
0: that I already know how to do? Mm, yeah so you're really like using your time it, like it's sort of because you know that there's just like not really much going on in that particular game right
1: yeah i mean because yeah. often you know you because i was playing a game as malfurion and like i knew i was gonna lose because they got it was volskaya and they got two trick loves in a row and it was just like we couldn't really take a team fight because the damage wasn't on point, and Garrosh was really good, but he was throwing people in ways
0: that were a little bit awkward. Ah, okay, yeah. So like, just not doing it as well as he should have.
1: Yeah. So my only option there was I can do something with my fury such that I can try to get better in this particular sort of direction as my fury, mm-hmm. or I can rage my teammates okay. and say, <laughs> that's,
2: "That's probably ah." Oh! Whoa! Got the items. You, you raw.
0: You know. Yeah, sure.
1: And you know, I had a couple of pretty good jukes. I, I outplayed Lee Ming a couple of times, and I kept my dots up. Yeah, cool. But I learned that there's a lot I need to learn about Marfurian.
0: Yeah, Marfurian <laughs> is just this dance that I'm just never going to learn properly.
1: Oh man! Oh, like I'm like focusing on hots, and then I'm trying to focus on um, doing the moonfire. Uh huh. <laughs> it's like Hots, 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 oh shit, Moonfire, Moonfire, Moonfire.
0: Yeah, I know, yeah, it's always this dance of like, yeah, which one do I need to do now? Am I putting like a, you know, Heal of a Time on someone? Am I like spamming Moonfire? What am I doing? Yeah. I'm actually really impressed with um, Malfurion's design in Heroes of the Storm because to
3: me it really reflects um, playing a druid in World of Warcraft, sort of balancing the Hots and, you know, timing everything and I think it's um quite well done by Blizzard to sort of carry that playstyle
0: over into Heroes. Yeah, I think so. That was the biggest thing that everybody was was sh- like sort of thinking about Malfurion is that when you um, had him the first time, like the first incarnation, was just like it was just a flat heal, like his you know, regrowth was just a big you know a big heal that you did. They changed it to like a smaller heal and then a heal over time, um, and made it a bit more spammy, um, mm-hmm. which was more in line. But now the fact that it's just a a small heal with a long ass heal over time. I oh, don't know, I think it's just a heel over time. And, um, you know, really balancing all that other stuff out. is just, like, you know, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, it's good that they had a lot of balance options to them. So yeah. the other thing I was thinking about this week was really... Um, the idea of playing Heroes of the Storm is kind of strange because, like, other games are sort of well-defined. Like, if you think about a game like uh, Chess... It's sort of a, a well-defined thing. There's a well-defined sort of set of actions that, that you and your opponent can both take. But with Heroes of the Storm, it's not really the same because it pre- obviously it presents itself like a MOBA, like it presents as an RTS. Uh-huh. But there's a difference between playing, say, an RTS where you only control one one character, and playing Heroes of the Storm. So, and, and I think the um, I think the biggest thing it comes down to is the camping so or at least camp times so it's very difficult to pick down what it is but sometimes when i get into heroes games and it's in quick match
2: uh-huh.
1: i don't feel like i'm playing heroes of the storm i'm playing something that looks like heroes of the storm but sort of <laughs> everybody's just sort of playing around the champions they're not really playing the game heroes of the storm if that makes
0: sense yeah yeah it does make sense like but that that, that's kind of what it's meant to be it's meant to be like a learning ground where you you're learning your heroes and and whatnot and you know some people are trying to like play the game properly but others are just Mm. like you know you know hero hunting or whatever
1: oh yeah for sure and i mean that's what quick match is for really just sort of having fun and try uh trying out uh trying out the cool abilities
0: Mm. yep yep
1: So that's it for me. What's up with you, Christian?
3: Well, um, I haven't really played that much Hearthstone. A little bit of Heroes of the Storm this week, but mostly Overwatch. Um, So specifically, I've really been enjoying the anniversary event, the um, second anniversary now. Uh And uh, I managed to pick up a number of really sweet skins. Um, So the chief amongst them, the formal Doomfist skin, I really, really like.
2: (laughs) Um,
3: I managed to get the... Risa, McCree, Tracer, and Bastion skins as well. Oh, really? Um, so I've been yes. quite lucky with my um, yeah. my loot box
0: drops. Yeah, dude. Did, like, get a lottery ticket or something.
3: Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but
0: yeah, I've been playing
3: a few of the arcade games that have been cycling through daily as well. Um, so I never got to play Junkenstein's Revenge when it first came out, so I managed to play that, which was good fun.
0: Yeah, awesome.
3: Um, yeah, And a few of the others, like the, um, the Yeti Hunter. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's that been pretty good. Uh, also, I've been playing a bit of competitive deathmatch as well. Oh, in really? In particular. Yeah. yeah. So I just started picking that up and it's actually good fun. Um, it's it's good to be able to play a game where you just have to rely on yourself um, rather than the rest of the team. And I'm looking at it from the perspective of trying
0: to improve my mechanical skill. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's really what it was designed for. Like a, an environment where it's still competitive, but... You are trying to, you know, just, just get better at the game, really. Get better with that particular hero. Yeah, definitely.
3: Um, so I have been focusing mostly on playing Hanzo. So I've, um, I've joined the Hanzo bandwagon. <laughs> and, yeah. Only, only a matter of time before I did that. Um, but yeah, I've been playing a lot of Hanzo in competitive deathmatch. Um, it's a bit of a challenge uh, for a number of reasons, which I'll touch on a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, but it's been good fun so far. And I have seen a bit of an improvement in the last week um, to my accuracy and just sort of using the hero um, correctly. Oh, cool, so yeah, cool, man. Yeah. I guess apart from that, I've also been playing a bit of Hanzo in, in Heroes of the Storms um, and been playing around with a couple of different builds. So I tried out the Q build, which I think is still my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but last night, tried out the W build as well. So using the Scatter Arrows. Yeah,
0: sure. Um, How did you find it? Yeah
3: yeah it's um it's certainly a, a little bit more technically demanding um than the q build or the auto auto attack build yeah sure. um especially when you've you know you quickly gotta um, send out a w and get the scatter arrow to go where you want it um, mm. sometimes it doesn't do that and obviously i had a couple of um instances where i do it it went in the
0: wrong direction completely it was <laughs> Yeah, you know? that happens man that'll happen regardless like you know, even pros do that, man. Like you'll see that they fire off a scatter, arrow. it just like goes in the completely like wrong direction. I'm um I'm trying to
3: find a way to, to make it a little bit more consistent. So I don't know whether it's just my mouse settings or, or there's some other option that you can you can choose to um sort of assist with that, but it, it does seem quite difficult sometimes, especially if you're going for um a,
0: a very precise
3: aiming of that um, ability.
0: Yeah, I think it goes down to knowing the uh, places on the map where you can get good um, get good scatters off, man. So just more map. Yeah, map knowledge. And I think yeah. uh, I think it's about map knowledge. Like you know, le- learning to play Hanzo in in um, here is the storm is very different because you just need to know where you can bounce things off and where it's going to go. So it's it's honestly a case of fucking geometry. <laughs> simple geometry. Yeah. <hey? laughs> yep. Simple geometry. That's what you need. Yeah, no, I've been quite quite impressed with him otherwise. Mm-hmm, um, cool. Landed a few good ultimates, so it always feels good. Yeah, it does feel good. It does feel good. The, um, yeah, can you see the power differential between the anime ult and the other ult? Definitely. Yeah, yeah the, the, the anime
3: ult is definitely um, a lot more powerful. I, I can see where the other ult um, could be useful but the fact that you can use that alt uh, the um dragon strike to block off an entire choke point or hit multiple enemies constantly especially if
0: they've been stunned mm. um i think it, it's just far more powerful okay but yeah I, that's I, pretty I, much I, me for the week i tend to go the other way but you know that's yeah that's just how i feel about it uh so that, so that's you all done man that's all me all right cool cool So. We're going to take our first step into what's been happening this week, and just thought I'd have a quick talk about some Hearthstone news. All right, so, <laughs> Jesus. Um, first one is that there are, since the nerfs have come in, there are just a lot, new, a, a lot more different decks that have been running around, doing really, really well um, on the ladder in particular. So if we have a look at what's been going on, um, over at uh, HSV plays, what I've been seeing in particular is that there's been a lot of rogues that are that have that have popped up, and it's now one of the more popular decks is odd rogue. Ah, uh, sorry about that. There's a lot of noise in the background, so I had to, uh, I had okay. to make to mute a bit. <laughs> uh, okay, that's fine. Um. Yeah. So there's a lot of odd rogue going around, and as well as a mir- miracle. Yeah, right. That's uh, that, that's really interesting. Like I saw a game of the of, of, of a of odd rogue against um. It was
1: Tai Shao versus Aang soku uh, Saku. <laughs> I, I forget these guys' names. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that's <laughs> but, fine.
1: Um, no, odd rogue. It just sort of beasted war- warlock it was, it was. It was really interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it, it kind of lives or dies by the like initial hand. Um. Pretty much. So. Mm. If you don't get a good hand, like you um, get a, um, you get a, like a really hard to kill minion that you can cold blood really early. That's generally sure. yeah, that's generally how you win that like how you win a lot of games. So there's a lot of odd rogue and miracle rogue hanging around, um, as well as some odd and Murloc paladins that have been pretty much popping up all the time. Um, yeah. Oh, you know, which is the one that I'm going to be playing a lot of. Um, even Shaman has also been going really well. Yeah, you
1: know, I, the um, the games I saw were a lot of Druid actually. Uh, I'm not sure which Druid it was. I think it was Control Druid.
0: Um No, they were. They probably it, it was this the HCT uh, Asia yeah. Pacific playoffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it'd be spiteful, dude. Spiteful, Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, that the HCT is not playing on the same patch as uh, everyone else. Ah,
1: oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's one of those situations. Yeah,
0: it's one of those situations again.
1: Spiteful was really powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why. They're
0: yeah, they, yeah. So basically, Spiteful's <laughs> pretty much gone. Uh, it's nowhere yeah. to be seen. Um, even even Paladin is gone. Uh, and you know what? Even q has, um, is also just nowhere near the top decks that have been played at the moment. Um... So the nerf has really hit it that hard, hasn't oh, it? Oh, apparently. I don't, I didn't think so because I never really played Q-Block in the first place. But what has shown up, um, as being a, a somewhat competitive deck, Joey, is even Warlock. Even Warlock? What the hell? Yeah, even Warlock is, uh, is apparently, um has had uh twenty one thousand plays so it's um yeah it's a thing so it's it's more of a control warlock than anything else um, Yeah, and yeah it is just running um pretty much the even package and and have ridden and can have the lich king and blood reaver gul'dan and whatnot so it does it does all that other other cool stuff
2: yeah
1: as long as you can heal through all the life tapping you have to do i can see i can really see how warlock mm lends itself to uh control style play because you just get more cards in the end
0: oh yeah absolutely like that was never something that i thought was um was a bad thing like warlocks uh the hero power is really good and abusable and it should just be used like all the time um but um yeah it just when it when it became just not like you know not a thing and they would get their health back way too easy then that was you know just something that was bad but um if they if they're fair about it then I think it's it's really it's really powerful and a really interesting thing to use. So um, even Warlock is is a thing. I'm not sure how competitive it is, but it is definitely around. Um, the one thing that I was really surprised at, which I played a lot as soon as it came out, was Quest Priest. You guys have probably never heard about this before. I haven't. Have you heard about it before, Joey?
1: The truck has finally left, uh, so no, I haven't. Uh, okay, okay. good. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, so Quest Priest plays this thing called Awaken the Masters where you have to summon seven Death Rattle minions, and then you get Amara, the Warden of Hope. Okay. And what she does is, regardless of what health you're on, it sets your health total to 40.
1: Your, wait, your your health total just suddenly ju- uh, jumps up to 40?
0: Yes, regardless of where you were before.
1: Jeez Christ, I, <laughs> that's just an arsepool of a... Yeah. It's like, I now have all the health. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I think what it's man? uh I don't remember the mana cost of Amara, but I think she's a 6 or 7, maybe less, maybe even 5. Um uh, so yeah, so you have to have um like good death rattle minions and there are a lot of good death rattle minions that are around. Um hmm. but it's basically a control style strategy where you try to win off the Shadow Reaper and win double mind blast sort of like combo with Alexstrasza where you burn them down, but uh, you basically play the ultimate control strategy where you can't exact you can't really lose the game. So provided you get a Mara, you mm. essentially have seventy health that, for the the opponents to burn through.
1: Yeah, so you'll always win the you'll always win the fatigue race.
0: Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so you'll win the fatigue race uh, if they try and burn you. Um, it's pretty. It's really hard for them to get through, like the mm. reset of health depending on the board state obviously but you're a priest you have like aoe tools like psychic scream and spirit lash and all these yeah. other really really amazing tools and um yeah it's just it's just a uh and a, like a deck that i never thought would see play again like just Does
1: priest have the board clearing ability because because i know um, yes I a, yeah, yes they I do guess.
0: they do um they have spirit lash um mm-hmm. which deals one damage to all minions and yeah, has has lifesteal Yep. So, so that's okay to get a lot of life back, but they also have Psychic Scream, um, mm. which is seven mana spell, to be fair, but uh, it shuffles all minions into your opponent's deck. Ah, I see. Yep, so it's a massive tempo like, loss for the opponent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Although,
1: I didn't really see, because like, that doesn't really help you with fatigue, right? Because then you're all No,
0: but the, see, the thing is, is that it it helps you get into a place where you can win the game, like okay. like if your opponent like say for example you're going up against an odd rogue and they have like seven you know seven dudes and they buffed them all to like five fives or some shit. Oh yeah. And then but... you psychic screen them. They all turn into one ones that all go back into their deck. <laughs> Take that, roguey. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. It, it's it's a thing. Um. But yeah, so I was really interested to see that as well. Something that wasn't in the notes was um Spell Hunter is also uh making its way up the ladder. Um which is something I would thought I would never see.
1: Not Zoo Hunter?
0: No, Spell Hunter.
2: Hmm.
0: Um yeah, it was the one that a lot of people brought to um HCT. So it's oh, yeah. it's not really a surprise as as far as our hunter deck is is concerned, but um I think it's in a much better spot now. After the um Spiteful Nerf.
1: Is the idea to only cast spells because you have like
0: Yeah. A spell that
1: yeah that a particular guy and that's the only guy in your deck?
0: Yeah, so um there are a bunch of cards in there that say if there are no minions in your deck do XYZ. Right. Yeah, so there's just a lot of really powerful effects when you don't have um minions in your deck. Yeah, for sure. It's just a really a difficult style to play, obviously, because um it's really hard to get board presence when you only have spells.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your face is open. <laughs> yep,
0: it's pretty open, pretty open. So, yeah, uh, so that's really what's been happening. Um, there isn't too much on the eSports side because we were spoiled a little bit with um, HCT uh, every week. But yeah. next week I will be tuning in um, because we st- I'm pretty sure we get to see a shake-up at the Grand Prix at DreamHack Austin uh, next week. And it is on during the weekend and on at pretty good times for us to watch it over here in Australia. So... Awesome. Um, yeah, so it will be pretty good Although I do believe It might clash with the um, With something else that's happening Which is our next point Which is about Heroes news Yeah, Heroes Yeah, so Everything. I believe The um mid-season brawl Is happening next week as well Thank god so, <laughs>
1: I'm like, man, I want to watch some pro games What the hell
0: Yeah, so I think it will be on one of the most recent patches um, which will be good because we finally get to see them playing on a patch that we have on live, so that's good. Um, the biggest news this week, with, though... Uh,
3: Diablo and
1: Lunara? The, the new Diablo?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, awesome. I, at least I hope so. So, yeah, so that is the big news is that they were the Diablo and Lunara reworks. So yeah. I haven't actually seen uh, much information about the, the reworks. Can you tell me a little bit about them? Yeah, sure. Do you want to do this one, Joey, or should I?
1: um well i don't have the notes in front of me but okay i'll take diablo so diablo the main thing that they did was they made the w is no longer omnidirectional okay so you have the w and the idea is you can get this really cool combo off that i want to do um which is where you w sort of because when the so, this is, so they also change the fire mechanics. So when the fire comes back, it does triple damage. Is it triple or, or double? Triple, triple. Yeah. Yep. So the fire goes out with single damage, but it comes back with triple damage. Um, so the idea is that you w behind you, and then you charge it. Ch- the charge a champion, and then all the fire comes back into you in a concave. But because it has, has longer to travel, all the fire, all the little, all the little fire animations, all clump together into one like mega fire animation. Right. And, and you flip, you flip your uh, soon-to-be dead opponent into all the fires, and, and like, like hit him with all the fires at once with, for triple damage.
3: Uh, I see. That sounds pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. It um, is pretty also, strong.
1: They've also massively buffed uh, the fire spit. What's the fire spit ulti called? I forget. Uh,
0: flame breath or something. Flame breath. I, hang on. I should, and you know, know what? I should know this. Lightning Breath. Lightning, Lightning Breath. Lightning it. Breath. Lightning Breath, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I really think Lightning Breath uh, like from an, from an ally Diablo should heal Blaze. That's my, that's my contention. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool. I don't think Blaze needs any help with that. No, he does. He, he, he's like, he, he can barely heal himself as it is. <laughs> 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 so they changed Lightning Breath, so Lightning Breath's better. I think it can now be channeled infinitely at level 20.
0: Okay. No, not infinitely, but it lasts a really, really long time. (laughs) Like, an insane amount of time. Like, he has no business. He has no business doing it for that long. (laughs) Just flame-birthing for ages. So,
1: the idea is that ETC or Mosh Pit, and for the entire duration of the Mosh Pit, you can just just lightning breath through the whole enemy team. (laughs) Um, As for Lanara, they went for. They made level four interesting, so so they, yeah, made level they really did.
0: Mm. So um, didn't can, she used well, to have a lot of uh, wisp talents that have been removed? I was gonna say level four sucked as Lanara. It really did. It was so bad. <laughs> that's why I didn't want to. Uh, that's why I didn't like playing her because, like, it always seemed that not not just level four, but some of her other talents were just really like weird and just didn't like you know add to the character.
1: Yeah, like the thing you want to buff as Lanara is her poison damage. And it feels like the thing you can't buff is her poison damage.
3: <laughs>
0: yes, because yeah, like, it's, it's a doing... little bit too
3: strong as it is.
1: Well, no, no, it, it you, Lenora's poison is really strong, and that's sort of the problem. Because when the talent designer comes along, he's like, "Well, well, I can't buff the poison damage, so I have to do talent, that. Do something else." But as a player, all you want to do is more poison damage.
2: Mm. <laughs>
0: so I think um, something as well that I'll mention here is that. The level four is an old mentality, I think, in um character design from Blizzard's perspective, mm. where they would have certain talent tiers that they go, This talent tier is about choosing this. It's a it's the survivability yeah. tier, or it's the yeah. mobility tier, or you know, it, it it's the tier where you choose either a defensive option or a mobility option or something like that. And yeah. it was just, you know, we wanted this tier to be all about Wisp. This is the Wisp tier.
1: Well, yeah, but um, speaking less facetiously, it's the, it's the vision tier. Like, like what what sort of vision do you want?
0: Uh, very true. Um,
1: and so what they did instead was... Uh, the, another thing I really liked was they put a new talent level one, um, which just makes Lunara faster, because um, as Lunara player, she's really fast. Like, she's faster than any other hero. But the problem is that your movement talent your movement talent is level twenty one where you can you can buff your you can buff your hopping along with Zed to, to to suddenly get a burst of speed and that's your that's your movement talent but you have to sacrifice your twenty to get it.
0: Yeah, right. That sucks. It, okay.
1: It, it, it's really great for Chase, but it sucks, right? Because for most of the game, Lenara actually feels really slow because she doesn't have a mount. And they finally gave her basically a mounting talent at level one. So it's called um Hippity hop. And if you... If you <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> That's great. Yeah, let's Timothy hop along. Yep. If you don't take damage, um, you, you just go you just go faster by
2: 10%. So uh.
1: it's just a really good way to give Lenara like, she actually feels like she's, you know, a fawn in the woods and actually has some speed rather than... Because it, it, it's really annoying when you're Lenara play. Everyone mounts up and like rushes off ahead and you're like, well... I'll be there soon, guys. Don't worry.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, that, that did seem something uh, something that was a bit bad, but I think yeah. she overall like moves faster than everybody else Like over the course of the whole game, though. Definitely. Uh, the... So I guess yeah. the real question is, has
3: the rework made her stronger? Yes. Okay, because <laughs> I've always found playing against the Lunara quite oppressive.
1: Uh, who are you playing?
3: Uh, any assassin character, really. Oh. Yeah. Um
1: much to be me. If you um Diablo can deal with her quite well, I find. Um because basically with Lenara the thing is you have to bait out the leaping strike and once you've done that she hasn't got much else. So you bait out the leaping strike and then you just have a character with the health pool um because she's not she doesn't do percentage damage. Um, and as long as you have a health pool and you're like beating on her, and then somebody else just comes along, bip bip she's dead. Because she, she has almost no hit points. Um, so it, it's all about the, like with most other assassins, it's it, it's all about the lockdown and just f- making her a target of focus because she is actually a proper carry. Like she's not she's not somebody you can safely ignore for X period of time. Mm, she's really wow. strong against melee assassins, I think. Uh, yeah.
3: That's Good. probably my problem.
1: Yeah. Well, if you're playing a melee assassin, it's you're not gonna have a fun time because she can she's just when I say she feels slow, she's actually not. She's she's just faster than you is <laughs> part of the problem. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. It's really hard to stick to her, I think, is the big um the big takeaway.
1: Yeah, like cause no melee assassin isn't really gonna have the stick ability, like because even if Troll rushes in with wolves and does his combo, Lynara's just gonna hop away if she's in danger. And for someone else like Illidan, like you can you can chase for a while, but eventually she'll outrun run you. But hopefully she's dead by then. But the the other side of that is she's slowing you down as well because she's got the contaminated spores and she can do crippling spores to like slow you down. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And and these are probably. the the things that you've been finding that, like, because she's all about the the movement speed, sort of play, uh, playing with that. Like, a lot of Lenar plays is about playing with other people's movement speed.
3: Yeah, uh, no, that makes sense. Like, even playing a, a character like Genji or Tracer, she still seems quite strong.
1: Um, any, I would say that any uh, ranged champion who can just auto attack Tracer is strong against Tracer. Tracer's really strong against skill shots. So, and, and Lunara doesn't really have any skill shots. Like, like, her one skill shot is, like, slow this person down. And and it's just, you just click, I want everybody to slow down now.
0: Mm. That's if she can get, like, a good spread of poison damage. Um, I think as well, Christian, something that you haven't really experienced is um, when you have a good AoE healer uh, against Lunara, uh, she basically feels like the worst hero in the game. Okay.
1: Yeah, she yeah. Okay. can be kind of
0: really hard by not uh yeah, Malfurion, Um, the person who does it really well though is um our good friend, the music fanatic. What's his name? Alicia. Alicia. Yeah. yeah.
2: But
1: yeah. I I, I do feel your pain, Christian, because for for three months after Lenara's release, I'm pretty sure I just called her a dried bitch.
3: <laughs> I remember that actually. <laughs>
1: and I had some very not nice things to say about Lenara, but but, but 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 you know what they say you know you have to learn to hero you hate. Um, and and then you know how to counter
3: her. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Mm.
1: But yeah, so I would say that Lenora is actually stronger, and one of the things I really like is um, they gave her damage boost, unfair advantage, from level 13 to level 16, and they made it better.
0: So Lenara's level 16 is going to feel really strong now. Yeah, cool. Um, One thing I do have a question about, Joey, is Mm -hmm. um, will she be strong on BOE again?
2: Uh yeah,
1: I think so because uh, she has one, a level one talent. I think it is. Uh, boo, 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 boo. Gee, what's it called? Anyway, it's. I'm pretty sure it's. Uh, poison does more damage to non-heroic enemies.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was Nature's Calling. It's moved to level seven now. Oh,
1: level seven. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically an, an immortal melter.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, she's always had it, but I just didn't know if she got it earlier, maybe.
1: Uh, I'm not sure if they. What did they do to Nature's Culling?
0: At least I think that was the talent.
1: Yeah, I can't see it here. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they did with it, to be honest. But basically, I can see her being strong on BOE. Like I, I remember reading her talent tree and thinking, man, she's gonna be awesome on on BOE. But I. I forget what it was that
0: that did it. Uh I think it's traking Pollen, maybe. So, maybe. yeah. So, um, Oh no, it just basically people uh, d- deals extra damage to people who have three stacks of nature's toxin. And...
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a really good um team fighting ability. Mm. Oh. So you, you basically spread all your poisons, hit W, and then you're doing like double damage. It's, mm. it's,
0: it's cool. Yeah, cool.
1: But no, Linard L- is definitely a-, a BOE champion, so so pick her up if you're doing BOE. Oh,
0: sweet.
1: What about you? What, what do you think about with uh, Diablo? You think? Because I-, I I know you had a-, a bit of a chance to play him.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I had a lot of chance to play Diablo over the um, last couple of nights, and I have to say, I really like him a lot more um, than I did previously. Um, so far <laughs> as it fits my playstyle a little bit more. So the big problem with Diablo was that um, he couldn't take care of himself. No, he he could. Yeah, he needed support. Um, And so if you dove in and you didn't get the blow up, you were just pretty screwed. Like it was, you did have the armor to help you out and you could have taken Speed Demon to like to get out of there. Which I think is a hilarious talent, by the way. Um, Yeah, but... um, um, I think he's much better now because he does um, have that self-sustain and not only that like um, your soul generation is just so much faster.
2: Mm.
1: You know I, I always thought like when I, when I was Diablo you know that scene in The Simpsons where Rainier Wolf Castle's like the goggles do nothing. <laughs> it, yes. like, uh, I felt that like way about Diablo's souls. Like, I'll, I'll be on 100 souls, and, and and they're still blasting me down. I'm like, the souls
2: do nothing. <laughs> what well, the fuck are these things for?
0: Yeah, well, they do. They, they, they're they actually really good. Like, you know, you'll notice, like, this unkillable Diablo, and you'll know that he'll have, yeah. like, 100 souls because, you know, he just, like, absorbs so much damage. Uh um, no, Absolutely. But um, yeah. So basically, exception when you're playing him though, it's like, oh my god, I'm
1: so squishy. what is yeah, Why am I squishy?
0: So <laughs> the talents that have really, the things that have changed that really help him is the fact that your flames heal you now, and mm. you can also spec into your flames being able to uh, generate souls for you. So yeah. So not only that, um, not only that your flames heal, but they're also just making you stronger, and it's. Yeah, it's just really good. So, if you do die and get rid of your souls, it's a it's a much faster like way to get them back. So, rather than be like, "Well, I'm going to be useless for about five minutes," um, it's it's yeah, a bit less. Bad, maybe Prisoner maybe awesome. you're only useless for like two or three minutes instead. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Uh, also, something that you didn't mention about lightning breath, Joey, is um the fact that it now slows enemies um to a maximum oh, yeah. of fifty percent slow. Which is ridiculous. Mm.
1: It's definitely ridiculous because slow is one of those sort of soft CC things where
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's not like the hero can't do anything now, but you feel really vulnerable when you're slowed.
0: Yeah, you do. Like people just really don't like it when they are uh, when they're running slower than they when they than they should,
1: mm. especially if you're a lanar player
0: yeah yep <laughs> and um i don't know i think i but think I'm, you said it best as well when we were playing games uh last night is that you know it doesn't feel good to have this like big demon breathing fire all over you and you're and you're slowed and it's just yeah it's just yeah. this massive like intimidation thing
1: it also i i really love um getting a getting sort of a, a team route um say with deck Kane or something
2: mm.
0: and then diablo is like all right, boys I'm in position <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, <no. laughs> yeah, um, I've definitely got some kills that I thought that I shouldn't have gotten just by using lightning breath, like yeah, um, yeah, it's almost a guaranteed kill because the fifty percent slow is just huge, and they're not going anywhere,, yeah, and, um, yeah. so it is five percent stacking um for two seconds, yeah. so but. Um, yeah, the range was also increased, um, a, by a little bit. So you're doing it longer. It is blowing people. And then at level 20, it just lasts for a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. So yeah, Christian, Christian, was it, yeah, you want I'm to say here. something? Oh, uh, I've, uh, I thought you
1: were going to say something. No.
0: No. Oh, okay. sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. so yeah so, so so that's what i think i think he's much better now as a slight regeneration tank he can take care of himself which is always really really sweet um yep. and um his ultimate is now really really strong and um I'm, i just really enjoy playing him like you you do feel like you're doing a lot less damage you don't have the percent damage anymore so that's always a bit of a bummer um but it's it's overall not a bad thing you know like
2: yeah. Yeah,
0: minor uh, things.
1: I mean I think he looks pretty good now. Like I, I I think they did um I think they did a good job reworking Gablo and um I I really appreciate
0: the interesting level four on Lenara. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Alright, so we have some other news that was um, you know a little interesting is that Hanamura is now not available to play in custom games. Yeah, they don't want you playing it. Yeah, they don't want you playing it, which can only mean one thing. It's gone forever. No, it's coming back uh. sooner. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it it's not going to be the same as it was. It's not going to be the same bullshit thing. Uh. Um, so <laughs> I think basically, if if rumors are to be believed and proper game design is to be believed, then mm. instead of having multiple payloads, it's just going to be one payload. Um, and. Okay. Yeah, because well, there's no way like they're throwing out a map that looks that nice. Because it was a really nice looking map. It just
2: yeah. It did look really nice.
0: I, I I have a feeling from the message that they're also re- reworking the boss. Yeah, possibly reworking the boss, and um I'm not sure as well about the core being targetable. I don't like the core being targetable. Yeah, so I'm not sure about that, but um so I think that cool might be one of the yeah. payloads. Yeah, the payload is more like a, a source of damage to the to the core. So yeah, yeah, essentially. Hmm. So like you know, it's just like turning in um turning in on black arts or um, you know, doing yeah, other sure. doing other things. Like the the payload should be there to help you out and to win the game, not like your source of winning the game. Hmm. Anyway. But I do find it
3: a bit odd that they disable it in custom games.
1: Uh, they do that when they are... They don't want people practicing on the wrong paradigm.
3: So I guess it's fair enough. Yeah, they're
1: I suppose. They disabled uh, Goblin Mines for ages. Because Goblin Mines was just learnable. Like, there, there was a sequence of things you have to do in Goblin Mines to win. Mm. Um, so they just disabled it. And they came back with it, uh, what, eight months later?
0: Yeah, it was a long time.
1: Yeah, they they really worked hard to, like, get a... Because the problem with the old goblin mines was that your your construct would march along the lane, and then it would die, and his bones would stay there. And so when you summon your construct again, he'd march along the lane from the
3: same position. Yeah, it'd give it an unfair advantage as well, couldn't it?
1: Oh, well, it's, it's not just unfair advantage because here is all about the unfair advantage. It's what you're trying to get. Like every minute of the game, you're trying to get an unfair advantage in the next team fight. Um but the problem with Goblin Mines wasn't that it gave an unfair advantage necessarily. It was more that it gave a mathematical way to win. So at two minutes, you take the camp. At four minutes, you take the siege. Um, at six minutes, you, you, you get this many skulls and you win.
0: Right. Like, yeah, it's very procedural.
1: Yeah, yeah as, as long as you got the 80 skulls in the first mine, mining phase, your team was the team that won. And the other team just had to lose for the, for the, for the next 15 minutes because there was no way to come back. Okay, well, that makes sense yeah yeah so so, so they disabled it because they didn't want people pra- they didn't even want people pra- uh,
0: practicing this mm. yeah so um the, so the, I think the thing to gather from it is that we're most likely going to be seeing Hanamura returning uh sooner rather than later.
1: Cool, I love Hanamura. <laughs> <pretty much>
0: better.
1: <laughs> so what do you think about um big maps versus small maps Eugene?
0: uh in what context man
1: well i was thinking more in the context of how does heroes of the storm play differently on say warhead junction versus playing it
0: on tomb of the spider queen Ah, uh, okay um so the big thing about uh big maps versus smaller maps is the global presence for one and mm-hmm. just the whole um macro strategy i think it varies pretty differently depending on which map you're on. So hmm. uh, on a big map globals are much um, more prevalent and much more powerful. Yeah. Um, and on smaller maps you you want people that are strong solo laners but not necessarily um, globals. Um, and what you do want is a really really strong uh, four man or like even three man rotation. Yeah, the the
1: three the three man rotation is um is really the key to victory because if you sort of get the um, if you sort of get the Zul or the or the N'Zeebo on the sideline, you just sort of collapse the sideline suddenly, and then whoever the opponent is in the sideline is suddenly very unhappy. Mm. Yep, very true. Yeah, and I think it's really powerful because I think the double soak really falls off on larger maps because it's basically impossible to double soak on a map such as. Um, Warhead
2: Junction.
0: Yeah, Warhead Junction is in its own sort of category for this. Um the real big double soak maps are the Blackhearts Bay uh is the is a real big one. Um mm. and some of the other smaller um three lane maps. So Tomb of the Spider Queen as well is one that you could possibly do. So you know, it, I think Warhead is its it's its own beast. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, I think I think that's really the like the big big difference between these particular maps is that um, you have to have a much more clear strategy around what's going on.
1: Mm. The reason I was thinking about it was mostly because I was thinking about uh, Hanamura being disabled and coming back soon. I was like, do I like big maps more or small maps? And I, like I I couldn't really sort of peg it down because Hanamura is one of those ones, but it's a two lane map, so it's the distance between lanes is obviously huge, mm-hmm. but then again you don't really spend much of your time in lanes when you're playing hanamura you spend it more uh escorting payloads and and trying to delay the delay the enemy
0: yeah yeah sure i i think until we we see what they've done with it we can't really tell but i think it will be another one of those we're going to be brawling outside of the lane so yeah i think it will be a bit yeah, yeah i think it'll be a bit different um as far as like the big versus small i generally always prefer smaller maps i don't know what i don't know what it is but I am not very good at determining what to do on a large map. Like you don't know which camp to take because it's a, it's sort of a bigger decision to take camp because you have to spend more time out of lane to go take it. Yeah, uh, not even that, like just in general about, about strategies and like I, um, I can't um, respond to split pushes well in my brain. Um, mm. It's too much multitasking for my brain to do.
1: Man, I'll tell you like, the best piece of advice I got for uh, for video games in general was it was a Korean StarCraft player, and he said the minimap is actually the main view. And what that means is, like, if if, if you think about driving a car, like your main view is the windscreen in front of you, and your mini map is like the little rear, the little rear vision mirror. Mm-hmm. And honestly, playing uh these games like from a macro point of view the mini
0: map is the windscreen <laughs> and then the rear vision mirror is like well, what is happening on the screen I'm like who cares yeah i mean don't get me wrong i'm always looking at the mini map it's you know it's it's where my focus is for a good mm. portion of the game um the thing that i'm like more concerned about is you know what am i going to do when i see that there's like a zagara that's at my keep on the mini map you know what i mean like yeah, it's all well and good. And I'm just like, oh, that's where she is right now. Cool. Yeah. What do we do? <laughs> cool. Thanks for the information, Matt. <laughs> yeah, you know, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I can I can please. see how it's powerful, but...
1: You know what would be interesting? Mm-hmm. If you could get a dual-screen version of Heroes where you literally have, like, a, 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 a tactical screen and you have, like, your regular screen and... Your tactical screen is just like the minimap blown up like into into ridiculous proportions. Yeah. So that you can see more detail on like what's going on tactically.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that could be that could be interesting. Like uh so, you know, all of the like hero models don't overlap very much and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So
1: it's it, it's just a blown up version of the minimap because it's all vector graphics in the end, so you can mm. you you can blow it a lot. That's not a, a big technical issue. Oh, sure. um, but but the idea is that instead of seeing like the three samuro illusions um, all clumped together as like one weird little samuro stack, mm. you can actually see specifically where each samuro illusion is.
0: Um, that's yeah. I suppose that, that yeah.
1: it's just uh, I, I'm sort of thinking more like from a supreme commander point of view. Um, yeah. Okay. Supreme commander. In supreme commander, you could just zoom out, and you could see at
0: any zoom level where
1: where like the units were in, in a certain radius of the screen.
2: Mm.
0: So as much as that's like really cool and I imagine that people could use that to um to do well I I think it um is like too much information for like a standard player. Nah. Okay. Uh, Christian, what do you think about this? I actually differ a little bit in
3: my thinking in that um I much prefer bigger maps. But I think that comes down mostly to my play style. Um, I really like playing assassin heroes, especially stealth heroes. And having the larger map gives me more opportunity to, I guess, dart in and out, and and more space to work within. Because um, I find that the assassin heroes tend to be quite good when you have, you know, more terrain and and more space to
0: work within. Mm, yeah, very very true. I and I do think that does like play into into what you like doing. Um, what do you think about the um about the information about the mini-map changes that, that Joey was talking about?
3: Um, I, I think it'll be an interesting interesting change. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure. I...
2: Yep. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, the, that's
1: sort of it for uh, my random divergences from Blizzard.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, that's cool. Uh, it is definitely an interesting talk to have, especially with... Um, Anamora most likely around the corner. Um one final note that I just want to put in it. Uh the big reason why I prefer smaller maps. Hmm. Yep, it's just the um you know, the inner workings and in that I just want more brawls, man. I just want like more team fights going down. So um that's why I like the smaller maps a lot more. Well, you know, it, it didn't used to be called a mobra, it used to be called a team brawler. Yeah, it did. So <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, I just I just like uh I just like the big fights anyway. I,
1: I, I do have a cap, actually, on my, on my feature request as well. Like, if, if you think about it, the reason we have a minimap and the reason we have this idea of a minimap and why it's there is because uh, MoBA evolved from real-time strategy. And real-time strategy evolved in the era of computing where it was only assumed the player would have one screen.
0: Mm, yeah, sure. And
1: if you take away that assumption and say, well, what if the player has two screens? What can I do with this other screen's real estate? I think he can provide uh, a really cool game experience. Basically, just a just a different view of things. Like, what if the player has a four K monitor split screen? Like, maybe he wants his game view to be on this side and, and like, a map view to be on this side.
0: Yeah, sure.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I think it is definitely something to um, for the for the I don't know for the devs to think about. And it's definitely a shift in um, the mentality and around you know having multiple multiple screens. Hmm. Um, some issues with it, but it, I think that's a talk for another time. Yeah, sure. All right. Um, what we might move into is a little bit of talk about the Overwatch League. So, okay. did anybody uh, happen to catch any Overwatch League games this week? Saw a little bit of it, but not much, sadly. Mm. Joey, did,
2: gonna...
0: did you manage to catch any, Joey? oh no i can't I, I i can't watch overwatch at the moment okay <laughs> no that's completely fair so i did watch some the other day and uh in particular i watched a few games i watched the new york excelsior versus the um the Seoul dynasty
2: oh yeah um
0: as mm-hmm. well as i did watch the um uh the shock versus uh the houston outlaws as well um I wasn't terribly excited by by the games that I was seeing, um, mostly because they were very one sided games most of the time. Ah, really? Yeah. So How so? Soul Dynasty was stomping. Um, no, <laughs> the other way around. Oh, getting stomped. Yeah, get <laughs> getting stomped. Um, well, it just seemed that any time that I saw particular games, there was a mismatch of um. People trying to do things in the particular meta, uh, like the yeah. teams had very two different styles, yeah. and um, so I think the the, the Soul Dynasty, they were just trying to um, to execute the dive strategy. In the new meta, yeah, yeah. So the so in the new meta, they were still trying to execute like a a, pr- a pretty heavy dive strategy, like regardless yeah. of what they were doing, um, and it it just seemed that a lot of the time they weren't able to execute. And when they did switch it up to some of the um you know, some of the more current meta strategies, like they ended up losing the sniper battles. So it, nothing really seemed to be working out for them. So like they couldn't win the widow battles, they couldn't execute the dive properly and it just seemed to like all go south for them. And um and a lot was the same. I think it was actually a difference when it was a shock vs Houston. Because Houston is big on the um on the tank and Brigida, You know, whole um, strategy But that mm. never, that didn't seem to be working For them either, so there was a lot of like uh, Mismatches going on um, The big thing that I did Want to mention is um, A couple of things So for one Horizon Lunar Colony
1: mm. What's going on in Horizon Lunar Colony?
0: So There's a particular strategy, if you're on defense yeah. To yeah. get an Orisa um, as well as a widowmaker, and and you know a bunch of other people, like you know a few healers, etc. Zen, Mercy, what whatever, yeah, uh, yeah. and just hold the high ground. And you know what, that worked just all like a hundred percent of the time. Do in, you mean the place. high ground
1: uh, just before point one?
0: Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So that's the particular strategy, and no one was really able to break it. Like the so so uh the New York Excelsior they um they incorporated the strategy and the dynasty they just like tried to dive them over and over again repeatedly yeah. and yeah. um yeah they just they just couldn't do anything like they and they weren't even running too many dive heroes like they tried genji they tried tracer but they yeah. never really switched up the widowmaker so they had a widowmaker on their team that was trying to like you know get picks while exactly. while Winston and Tracer were trying to like dive in and you know, disrupt them and, and whatnot, but it just never seemed to work out for them.
1: Well, that feels like a sort of an inconsistent strategy, right? Like, I mean, if you dive, why isn't everybody diving?
0: Yeah, very true. Like, that's why um, the um, the Widowmaker pick just seems so um, weird.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it, it's actually also curious because my general experience with the Horizon Lunar Colony, and this is showing my, my newbie stripes, I can never defend point A. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: haven't once defended point A. I swear to God.
0: Yeah, point A is pretty hard to defend. Um, it's, it's it's
3: funny that actually, um, and I have to agree with you, um, Joey, that it is quite difficult to defend. But I have seen in some of my games um, the the Arissa strat
2: hmm. working
3: quite well. Um, but I think it comes down to um, your team sticking together and not overextending. So, out of all the maps, I think Horizon Lunar Colony. It comes down to overextending on that first um, point in defence. So, if everyone's, you know, sticking to the plan, staying around the, the point, mm. um, and supporting each other, that hold can be very, very strong. But as soon as someone, you know, goes off and you get that numbers um, advantage against you, um, I think it's then that it becomes very, very difficult.
1: Well, I think that comes down to then sort of the point I was trying to I was trying to trying to ramble on about while the freaking delivery truck was, <laughs> man, I'm r- I'm along in the background earlier, of executing a strategy you don't necessarily agree with, like because a lot of people aren't really willing to do that, where the, you get a big thing in gaming where you everybody sort of wants to be the 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 lone wolf super killer sniper six six six, yeah yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and everyone sort of gets that feeling but maybe it's a a sign of the times or a sign of my advanced years that i really see this as a team experience where if you can see a strategy going then what you can do is practice your yourself in that strategy and that will overall make you a better player
3: yeah pretty much but it as you said it, it does come down to being a team game so if Sort of supporting what you said previously. Um, if your whole team isn't playing as a team, and you do have those lone wolves, like yeah. no matter whether you've positioned your Orisa in the right position, and you know you have a healer there, you know it, it's it's going to fall apart. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but, but that comes down to as well the uh, the twenty percent of games that you're just going to lose.
3: Yeah, pretty much.
1: <laughs> that's just the end of the that's the end of the story. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: oh well. I feel like I interrupted you, sorry. Uh Eugene.
0: Uh yep, I just totally forgot what I was gonna say. Um something that I uh something I will mention is um the I believe it was the, the Houston uh way of trying to get through this or the shock way. I'm not I'm not quite sure which one it was. Yeah. But um they knew that the ERISA cheese or the Erisa strategy was coming. So they ran a like, you know, all tank, all healer uh, death ball with Lucio to try and speed past the point and get on the point.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. So this was like you know they ran like um, uh, so they had uh, Reinhardt, um, they had um Zarya, they had Mercy, Lucio, Brigida, like just anybody that was just really tanky that could get them onto the point to hold it. And um, yeah, it it didn't work, but it 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 managed to get past the point. And get onto the point.
1: You know, I, I really don't understand why that didn't work because, to my mind, I, I'm just thinking that when you're attacking, you have the building on the right and that leads you through a corridor which basically spits you out of the point. So, like, why Why didn't it work? Well, okay, <laughs> then, it, it,
0: it worked in getting them past the point, right? Okay. But yeah. then what happened was um, was Genji got a Dragon Blade and then, uh. yeah, Sorry. Uh, so know. yeah that they they uh <laughs> you know anyway. he sliced and diced them and um and yeah, then uh, yep and then they were done yep cool. um <laughs> yeah so that's pretty much what happened um one thing i will mention uh like i uh was talking about when i was talking about my aim before is that mm-hmm. um in one of the last games in shock vs houston um they brought in a uh substitute mm-hmm and I, I i think this guy was like called baby bay or something yeah something stupid i remember thinking what a tool uh but, um, <laughs> sounds familiar yeah yeah his name's baby bay and i'm just like fucking hell but um they put him on um they put him on like he was like one of the hit again uh players and yep. they put him on mccree yep and man he was just fucking beasting everyone on mccree i was just like oh my god And the one thing that I noticed, and now that I've mucked around with my mouse settings, is that when I looked at his mouse, it was fucking just dead steady. Mm -hmm. You know, like, when when he was, like, shooting or hitting, his mouse was just not moving anywhere. It was just directly where it was meant to go. There was no, like, you know, there was no movement. He was just shooting exactly where he wanted to. And it just made me think, you know... This is, you know, this is why this is good. You know, this is why I should be setting my mouse settings like this so that I can be this accurate, you know, so that if I want, if I get it in the right spot, it's just going to like stay there, you know? Yeah, sure. Pretty much
3: like when I started playing around with my mouse settings, I witnessed a
0: dramatic um, improvement in my aim. It makes such a big difference. mm yeah man so i i actually saw it like i just saw the effects of this like in the overwatch league i was just watching this guy going that guy has just immaculate mouse settings for what he's trying to do and it showed because he was just like he was just destroying them yep slaughtering people yeah so it was really it was really good to see the fact that you know the things that i'm doing um will actually be helping and i have seen an improvement so um yeah it's just something that i just wanted to mention as well is that yeah, I did. I did see the the fruits of uh, of of, of, of your famous. labor. Yeah, <laughs> fruits of my labor. Well,
1: that sounds like a that actually sounds like a really good uh, segue into e- esports at home. To be honest. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like you you took some esports and took it home. You know. You I know. And, uh, I and... did.
0: I did. All right, let's get you right have into it. Up.
1: You watched some esports and you did it at home. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. All right, let's get right into it, though. So, what's, uh, what's some things that we can uh, take into our home games? So, the thing I've been mostly thinking about, um, and this is from, because I really started sort of
1: religiously watching esports a little while ago, was the thing I noticed about Heroes Esports, as opposed to how I play, is they always take camps. Uh-huh. Like, their camps, they are on cooldown, and they know exactly when they want to take a camp. And when they take camps, they don't just, like, send a guy off and he takes the camp by himself. No, they collapse the camp. Like, it's a team decision to take the camp. So my big tip for eSports at home this week is remember your ABCs. Always be camping.
2: <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> it's funny. I uh, I slightly disagree with your statement, but um, yep. I think it's better than not camping at all.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously there are times when... Um, you obviously shouldn't take a camp. Like if you're if you're sacrificing two lanes of experience and you're doing you know what's effectively a useless teamfight at, at at a camp that you don't need and it's just gonna die immediately in lane,
2: mm.
1: that's probably bad it's probably a bad camp. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be real <laughs> and, and you can obviously you can obviously uh over objective in Overwatch. Um so if your Illidan is dedicated to getting coins in black arts bay um you've you lose you've lost your ganker basically like you don't have your your cool ganking hero because he's busy doing the objective and this falls apart if illidan's gonna immediately die and lose all of his coins like you haven't got any advantage out of it
0: mm, yeah very true yeah uh, that is a popular thing that happens on black arts bay is that you know illidan finally comes into his own and he's like this is my time and yeah. uh, and then it goes in like just fucks off and does camps like all day. Yep. But um yeah, it doesn't and really I, help the team. I've
1: I've been I have been the murky player who had 27 coins and lost them all. <laughs>
0: oh, Jesus.
1: Yeah. Don't put 27 coins in your murky. I don't ever <laughs> um but the the two things I want to say is if you're playing with a friend or a couple friends, um instead of just thinking uh, i've got to take a camp now think let's all collapse the camp Mm. um because that's what that's something i see them do all the time where they don't just there's not a dedicated camper no the the team get gets the camp like we're all going to get bruises now and and it's going to be just three of us boom take the camp takes two seconds bam and uh, back to lane for the xp and they lose maybe a couple minions but what they but what they get is extra strong push during say
0: uh a shrine phase in in Infernal shrines yeah very true i mean i'm of two minds about it like there's there's a good way to do it and there's a bad way to do it so in the situation you're talking about you do lose minimal xp but there's Mm -hmm. also a situation where you lose zero xp uh but it requires a bit more coordination rather than just everyone like gang banging the um the uh camp you can just like get two people to not be dickheads in lane and soak it while the other person goes and gets it.
1: Yeah, but like, you, you, you're you saying you want two people to not
0: be dickheads? That's a... Yeah.
1: That's a tall order,
0: man. <laughs> I mean, that is a tall order. <laughs> I mean, if it's your friends, you can be like, oh, mate, just don't be a dick, and then we're good. And then, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, very true. Um, but overall, if you're, if you're in a nascent team, I would say that the opposite side of the strategy is not doing camps at all and that's sort of obviously bad so you can always optimize yourself doing camps all the time but you can't optimize you know i actually just don't do camps mm. and like I, I i i'm trying to win with my no camp strategy like <laughs> um eventually you're going to get steamrolled by
0: somebody by a team who actually knows
1: how to how to use objectives to their advantage
0: yeah sure like i i i'm i'm of the mind that yeah you should be taking camps um mm. But I I do think they need to be done at the right time and, um, either and and with the right people. Like the the one the one that I don't like the one that really like the the one that I don't like a lot. And I think this is where we differ: is that you know we'll be doing something, and then you know I want to take a camp, and then like everybody, like five guys, are like yeah, let's take this camp, and I'm just like, <laughs> why are we all here? We all don't need to be here right now. No, no, you don't
1: understand. The camp drops mad loot in Gabby 3, therefore it must drop mad loot in Heroes of the Storm. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> absolutely.
1: Well,
3: I think personally I find it quite difficult to tell when to take a camp or, or whether I should be going and doing it. And I think it probably stems mostly from me just not knowing, um, I guess, the mechanics of Heroes of the Storm that well. Um, but it's always something that I need to ask my teammates, you know, should i be doing this now or is this one better suited to doing this um yeah. level two take a siege
1: level four take a bruiser
0: fair enough yeah they, they <laughs> essentially I'll keep that in mind they essentially should be done on cooldown but um it yeah you, you need to time it you need to time it well so uh in yeah. like in like programs you'll see them and then all of a sudden they'll just start moving and you're like why the fuck are they moving um and then they get there as soon as the camp spawns and you're like, oh okay, they've played Knifey Spoonie before. Like Yeah, they've played you know, Knifey Spoonie a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so um it, it is it is all about timing. So it, while you're while you're still learning it and you know you don't understand the intricacies um as well, like I would just rely on your teammates, but um you will get a feel for when you need to take it.
1: Yeah, my my personal experience is that you never have nothing to do in heroes. So, if you, for a microsecond, think I have nothing to do, you should replace that thought with "I should take a camp."
2: <laughs>
0: sorry, sorry, Sounds like uh, words of wisdom as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolute words of wisdom.
1: Yeah. So, if you, if you just 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 replace the thought, that's all you have to do. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So. Nothing to do means like, well I've just pushed the I've just pushed the lane in. There's no objective on the map. Um you know, and and nobody's really getting a pick here. Like the like we're just poking each other like uselessly. Like Chromie and Chromie and Li Ming are exchanging orbs in a in a
0: gentlemanly fashion. Um, just take a camp. Like you're not losing anything. Yeah, that's very true. Like if there's really nothing else going on and you can get a camp, then you might as well uh, yeah. Do it to get an advantage somewhere else, possibly.
1: Uh, the other big time to do it is just before an objective. So the map will warn you, it's 20 seconds to the objective, take a camp. And take a camp on the other side of the map to the objective. Um, okay. Because uh, that
0: forces the enemy team to make a decision. Right. Uh, yep. Yeah. That is the that is the normal camp strategy, and the one that I agree with. Uh, but yeah,
1: that's it for uh, ABCs. Always be
0: camping. I'm gonna say sometimes be camping, but you know, no, it, does, it doesn't have the right zing to do it.
1: Uh, uh, at least have camping. At least have camps in your mind all, all the time. Like, like yes, I agree. Be aware that. The camps are there, and be aware when they're coming off cooldown and stuff.
2: Mm,
3: yep, yep, for sure. I guess that keeps your ABC acronym then. Always be considering camps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> And I think, actually, if I if I just wanted to put a cap on it, when I was talking about sort of playing heroes versus playing an RTS with only one unit, um, the camps really are heroes to me. Like, because when I, when I play a quick match game and, and everybody's been a lull versus playing, oh, man, I, I, in, in my ranked games now, I'm now seeing uh, low gold players. So I think I've gotten better. Ooh, nice. Thomas? Um <laughs> Anyway. The thing I notice is that it's literally all about the camps of like managing camps and managing your resources with your team is what makes heroes feel like heroes to me, as opposed to feel like one
0: um, v one, one v one knifey spoony. Yeah, sure. I think I think it definitely adds to the maps and whatnot, and the whole reason that this is very different from a lot of the other games. So yeah, I tend to agree. Mm. Alright, so Christian, did you want to have a talk about something else? Definitely. Um,
3: probably touch on something you know a little bit more about. So, Overwatch. Um, so, I guess first, I, I alluded to previously um, uh, some issues in competitive deathmatch that I've witnessed over the last week. Yeah, sure. Um, so, starting off, the first few games that I played, there was some good diversity um, in the, the heroes that were being um, played in each match. Yeah. Um, but the more that I played, the more I saw the same heroes starting to dominate. Um, so specifically, I saw a lot of Brigitte, Moira, Roadhog, and McCree. Okay.
2: Um,
3: so after playing maybe about ten to fifteen matches, um, it was basically just all of these these characters, and then myself playing Hanzo. Um, and it's quite difficult <laughs> to deal with, like. Um, moira in particular is quite oppressive um, not having to aim being able to heal having that elusiveness um, and especially in the tight corridors of the the deathmatch maps um she's very very strong same deal with brigitte um the stun the constant damage not having to aim she's just able to dominate in those those close confines of the corridors yeah, um
0: right i feel like one
1: would be specifically strong with the ping pong balls
3: Yeah, well, she can just fire and forget. Really, Um, put Mm -hmm. down a corridor, and you'll hit, you know, two or three people that are dueling. And a number of times I've seen that happen where I'm having a duel with someone else. We're both low. Ping pong ball comes in from nowhere, takes (laughs) us both out, and she gets two kills. Oh my God! Um, Beautiful. And I I have watched. Yeah, and I have watched a couple of, of YouTube videos from content creators who think the same thing. Um, they think it's going to become this four-character meta, more or less. Um, obviously, Roadhog, as well, is very, very strong with his hook combo and self-heal.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: and, and just being able, just being very difficult for single heroes to duel with. Um, when you're not in that team environment where you can sort of focus firing down or use CC to deal with him, um, he's very, very hard to deal with. Um, and then, obviously, McCree, just with his flashbang, the stun, and um, high damage, he's always going to be quite strong as well. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out, whether the the meta in competitive deathmatch shifts in time, or it stagnates with just these couple of heroes being very very strong, um, and eventually meaning less and less people will play the mode. It's interesting well, to see what happens.
1: You know, I I have some thoughts on deathmatch, uh, not generally from a later point of view, but sort of from um, what well, I know about deathmatch in general as a as a game mode. And I don't think Overwatch or sort of team shooters really lend themselves to deathmatch because the whole point of a deathmatch is like there's a bunch of weapons and power-ups lying around. I can like go and get a strong weapon and then blast people with it. But that's not really Overwatch's playstyle. Like your weapon is your character and you can't change that until you die.
3: Yeah, this is true. Um, but in saying that, you can change when you die. So I, I guess it's up to you to you know, make that call. If you are getting stomped after a couple of, couple of deaths, then, you know, change to something else. Um, but I, I sort of understand what you mean. It's, it's a little bit more difficult than that.
1: Yeah, like, I, I don't really see how they're going to balance it because you can't give McCree a rocket launcher. As soon as you give McCree a rocket launcher, it becomes Farah. So- yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: So, so you're sort of spawning with your weapon. Um, it doesn't really lend itself to sort of the deathmatch playstyle because if you think about deathmatch in Unreal Tournament, for example... The Rocket Launcher is one of the strongest weapons, and there's other situations where Rocket Launcher isn't strong, but then you have a weapon power-up that's in an awkward position and everybody fights over the weapon power-up, and that's how the deathmatch sort of plays out.
3: Yeah. I guess the other issue with um, deathmatch in Overwatch is um, the fact that not every hero can participate on an equal footing. Yeah. So you look at, look at heroes different? like Reinhardt, you know who are never going to be good in a deathmatch they're just not designed for that they're designed for that team play protecting hmm. a team while in deathmatch you know when you're against seven other people most of them are going to be dps there's no way that you can win with a Reinhardt. Yeah.
0: i also feel bad for mercy in that situation yeah what's mercy going to do yeah what's mercy <laughs> going
3: to do yeah. mercy's another example and and you could even argue something like someone like zenyatta as well who while they do have good damage output they just don't have the survivability and the, the utility that um you know they they can't even put their own heal on themselves, to, mm, yeah. so it's a bit difficult.
1: I mean, if I'm being honest, uh, rather than deathmatch mode, I'd probably rather see... Uh, team team
0: deathmatch, right? Mm-hmm. I'd rather see team deathmatch.
3: Well,
1: yeah, well, team
0: deathmatch. They, they
3: do have a team deathmatch mode that um, cycles in and out. Oh, okay. So it has um, been done.
1: But what I, I think what I'd rather see is I'd rather see either a campaign or I'd rather see a... Uh, Vehicles, vehicles <laughs> vehicle deathmatch. That'd
3: be fun. Yeah, I think both would be um, interesting. And I guess the the campaign thing has sort of been touched on um, with the uprising and retribution mm. events, mm. Um, you know, that, that co-op um, PVE sort of playstyle. style. Um, so I guess they could expand upon that. Vehicles, I'm not sure. I think it might take away too much from, like, the feel of the game. It might Yeah, just no, become, I, I can totally <laughs> see that. Yeah, but yeah, both but, both are interesting ideas.
1: I, I I think that was actually a a brain fart on my part because I I sort of injected an idea like when I was trying to think of like the idea that I had, but what what I actually meant to say instead of vehicles was uh, survival mode. So uh,
0: so a team gets dropped in like, on an island sort of. Um, yeah, <laughs> I believe of- I believe this sounds a, familiar. I believe there are a couple of games that follow the same uh, type of uh, thing, Joey.
1: Well, no, because Blizzard's main thing is. They make, it, they make somebody else's game but better like that, that's what they do with their, with most of their game designs mm-hmm. so I think it would be fun if you had um sort of strike teams of five people playing in a battle royal uh, survival style
0: yeah it could, it, it, it could be okay um, There is um There's one of the other podcasters that I listen to that always talks about a hundred junk rats uh, get dropped into a uh, on an island <laughs> <Cold> <laughs> that'd spread. be fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> which I personally would love to see. Um, so, you yeah. know, I, I think it has a little bit of merit.
3: I guess moving on from that now, um, mm. the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, was, I guess, the the concept of tanking um, in Overwatch and mm. how critical it, it really is to your play. Um, so I've played quite a bit of quick match um, over the last couple of weeks, um, just sort of getting myself back into the competitive groove as well, um, trying to sharpen my skills with a couple of different um, heroes. Yeah, sure. And I've noticed that the, the games where you don't have a competent tank are always the roughest, if not <laughs> impossible to win. Um, and I noticed that whenever I played a tank, specifically Reinhardt, um, the concept of creating space seems just so powerful. Um, and I think it's worthwhile sort of touching on that briefly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, um this is something that I, that I was looking into as well, man. So I'd be interested to hear what and what you um what you're gonna say.
3: Well I've noticed that at, at lower ranks in particular, so the bronze and silver games that I've been playing in, um, or in quick play, the I guess the equivalent, um, having that Reinhardt shield there and um being able to shield your team is great if they stand behind it. Mm-hmm. Um but more powerful is being able to consistently move forward and push that team back. Because um, I've noticed that at lower ranks in particular, if you are moving forward with the Reinhardt shield, the opposing team often won't stand their ground. They'll constantly fall back. And just the the fact that you're moving forward will force them back. It, mm. it just seems like an odd sort of um, dynamic, but it, it it just seems to work. Um, and the more that I've been playing Reinhardt and the, the more that I've sort of just consistently moved forward and not hesitated, um, the more success I've had. Uh, I guess it also, it prompts my team also to move up behind me and to take that space. Um, Yeah, it it just seems like a very, very uh, intuitive thing to do, but I don't think all players have actually caught on to it.
0: Yeah, dude, Um, I I just want to jump in and say that this is um, the psychological thing about competitive games that... I think not a lot of people know about Um, and it's something that I just did want to mention it's a perfect example is that Reinhardt is one of these characters where you don't need comms to understand what Reinhardt's doing like you have this big fuck off button that says we are going in boys this is what's happening and um, yeah I think it's just these visual cues um, that can represent body language really well so like in um, the, 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 like the context that I found was in like Heroes of the Storm, where you pick these big, loud, bombastic abilities that, that say it's time to go, and nothing says that more than this big guy holding a giant shield, running up the middle, going, it's time to go. <laughs> Pretty much. And
3: I'm just more and more, I'm starting to appreciate the role of a good tank um, mm. in initiating, like you said, um, protecting your team um but yeah most of all
0: making that space i think it's it's just so important yeah sure um Um, one thing i did want to mention as well is um the whole idea about making space is that you don't necessarily have to be on a uh on a reinhardt to make space Um, no definitely not yeah yeah and i i I really struggled with like what what does this mean what what do they mean by making space and what it really means is that making space is about you occupying an area and if you're occupying the area it means that most likely the enemy team is not right so and i think that that's uh really something that i want to work on because i do primarily play tanks like when i was doing most of my placements i was on winston or diva and i just like i was just doing what i thought was right you know just like trying to you know be be the front be the engage and whatnot but i i learned that i was like not really doing it very correctly and the whole idea is to always be in the front, like this consistent presence in an area, and that's really how you would create space. You Always be consistent. NBC.
3: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, I guess I, I like using the um, the example of Reinhardt uh, because mm. he does have that that you know that physical presence of the shield and the hammer, and the space that you're making is twofold. Firstly, it's space in front of you, yeah, so right. the reach of your hammer, your fire strike. Um, people don't want to get close enough to you because you can you can drop the shield and hit them. And you deal a considerable amount of damage and you take out a squishy pretty quickly. So you're making that space in front of you and forcing the team to, to go back. Mm. Um, you're also making the space behind you. So that's even more important. So the space behind your shield is where, ideally, the rest of your team should be standing. They should feel safe and be able to do their jobs. Um, so, yeah, so that's absolutely. twofold.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely I do agree it it is about making space to be able to do this like peel for your team essentially where they don't feel threatened where they can you know do exactly what it is they need to do and not have to worry about what's coming in at them.
1: The other thing Pretty I much. found playing right hard was I really always want a rear view mirror <laughs> <laughs> what are you what are you fucks actually fucking doing back then yeah <laughs>
2: uh,
3: the most irritating thing that I find when playing Reinhardt is where you're, you know, pushing up with a payload and you've got your shield down and you're blocking lots of shots, but then you know, the Hanzo or, or whoever next yeah. to you jumps in bounce. front of your shield to shoot
0: uh-huh.
2: and
3: it's like, why are you doing that? Why don't you just stand a couple of meters back behind the shield and shoot? It,
0: yeah, it makes no it difference. makes no yeah. difference, except you're not going to get hit in their face. Exactly. And it, it's almost as like
3: they, they don't realize that you can shoot through the shield but mm.
0: yeah, that's very true. Noobs uh, <laughs> <moves> being noobs. <moves. laughs> yeah. So, um, no, I'm really glad that you brought this up Christian. Cause it is something that I, um, that I want to try and prove in my play at the moment. Yeah. That's good to hear. Mm. And, uh, I don't imagine. So, so Joey, do you have any thoughts about creating space?
2: No,
1: no, I don't have any thoughts at all to be honest about uh I think the only Overwatch game I
0: played was
1: I was too drunk to remember it.
3: <laughs> okay
2: then. <laughs>
3: that <week>. sounds promising. No, <laughs> uh, well, I
1: don't think it was. I, I'm pretty sure we
0: lost, but I I don't I don't remember any details of it. Okay then. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Alright, dude. Well if you have nothing to say about Overwatch, maybe you, you have a few things to say about uh some uh cryptocurrency man i have so much things to say about cryptocurrency i'm gonna blow your mind Uh absolutely all right let's go for it
1: what do you got all right (laughs) so the big thing's happening in crypto this week of course we have a giant uh bear event in crypto a bear event means that the price is tanking like the bejesus oh god which means crypto's on sale (laughs) (laughs) this is not this is absolutely not financial advice by the way sorry um if if I say something like this, it's just a joke, my friend and purposes only, I'm not a financial advisor. And you shouldn't take advice from me in any respect. <laughs> Even if I give you advice about video games, it's probably not good it's probably not great advice. <laughs> um but during the bear event, you sort of these things come out where people try to say, Hey, crypto is not that bad. And we're we're seeing that at the moment with two events that are picked out of the sort of the crypto sphere this week. One. Uh, Crypto Kitties, do you know what that is, Jim? No, I don't know what that is, sorry. So with Ethereum, what you can do is you can uh, create a contract where you can buy a digital good. So you say, I'm going to give you this much Ethereum and you give me an object in return. And the contract is then proof of your ownership of that thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously what this lends itself to is something such as Crypto Kitties. And CryptoKitties is where you can basically buy a cat. It's, it's not a real cat. It's a computer-generated cat. It looks like sort of like a Neopet, if you remember. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. <laughs> <early> <laughs> it sounds very useful. From the early days back of the internet.
1: <laughs> uh, the idea isn't, it isn't so much utility, Christian. It's more like a proof of concept thing. Okay. But um, CryptoKitties, I will say, while this is a proof of concept, it did raise uh, $200 million. So it's, it's a very good proof of concept. How did um, it raise money? Oh well, because you give Ethereum to somebody and they give you back a CryptoKitty.
0: Oh, and that somebody gives the currency to. Other well, I mean people? the
1: the the, the CryptoKitty developer is is generally who you gave it to. So 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 this is, so you give it to the owner of the CryptoCat, and they give you their CryptoCat in in exchange for
0: Ethereum. Uh huh. I, I I failed to see like how this is charitable.
1: Oh, sorry. I was just talking about
0: CryptoKitties by itself.
1: Uh-huh. CryptoKitties is raising money for charity. Yeah, It's, okay. a, it's a different thing.
0: Like, uh, the CryptoKitties already existed for several years. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, exactly. But I have to tell you about CryptoKitties
1: before I can tell you about the, the charity event. Yeah. So, um. So, a bunch of people have given some CryptoKitties to a charity. And that charity is now auctioning off the the cats. You know they're they're saying you know these crypto kitties are for sale, and the proceeds will go to charity. Uh-huh. And they've managed to raise fifteen thousand uh, dollars for a children's hospital. Yeah, sweet. So people bid on your on their favorite crypto kitties, um, and because because the it's not just a cat. They also have a like like a name, and they have a little personality and stuff. And one of them is uh, LeBron John, uh, LeB- Lebron Johnson. Oh, LeBron James, I forget the basketball's name.
0: Yeah, it's, it's James.
1: Yeah, it, LeBron James um, has a crypto kitty. Um, it, 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 it plays basketball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of good news that they managed to raise uh, 21.6 Ethereum. Um, so it goes directly into funding the hospital. Yeah, cool. And an, uh, the, the other news item I have is... Uh, It's a Cohen, a a Taoist Cohen for you. So think about this. If making money on Bitcoin means downloading coins to your computer and you then spend your Bitcoin to buy a house, did you just download
3: a house? No.
1: <laughs> that's the that's the ancient wisdom of the Dao.
3: <laughs> okay, that's deep, man. <laughs> it is deep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so so there's century, an equally ridiculous example. I just can't think of one right now. So you know. Yeah, there is. Uh, so a 17th century mansion has been auctioned
1: off on the blockchain. Oh, really? Apparently, it's a big manor in Italy uh, that was built in 1580 or, oh, sorry, built sometime between 1580 and 1616. And they auctioned it off for $42 million. So somebody had, oh, gee, how much? 44,000, I think
0: that is. So, uh, 4,000 Bitcoin. Oh, really? So they just had 4,000 Bitcoin and decided. I am yep. going to. I'm going to buy this property. Pretty much, um, and it was it was
1: auctioned off on blockchain, which means like they made the contract and everything to say ownership of this house will transfer on payment of of blah to blah.
2: Mm.
1: And because there's uh, Bitcoin auctioneer systems where people say I'm I'm going to pay this much Bitcoin, I'm going to pay this this much Bitcoin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the final price was came to 42 million. Apparently. Oh, Okay. Damn. And it's it, it's sort of interesting. So somebody has downloaded a house using the blockchain.
2: <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> of course. A house downloaded. Uh, anyway, that uh, that's sort of it for Crypto Talk at the moment.
0: All right, cool, cool. Well, if that's it for Crypto Talk, I guess that brings us to the end of our show, guys. Cool beans. Yeah, so... Um, we find you, fine, Eugene. Yeah, good good question. Uh, so if uh, you guys want to email the show, um, remember that our email is chilledpodcast at gmail.com. So that is where you need to send us some emails for when we get names wrong or give you bad cryptocurrency advice. Um, we're also on uh, Twitter, so chilledpodcast at chilledcast. That's where we can put up any updates about release schedules or anything to do with the show. Um, if you want to contact Joey, I believe the best place is jhtrao.com.
1: Yep, jhtra.com. I'm also if you Google my if you Google my name,
0: I am now fifth on Google. Oh, very nice. Um is where you can also find the um full catalog of all of our episodes. So go over there to uh find out all of our back catalogue of all of our episodes. Um as for me, you can find me on Twitter at OvalTG. Um so if you wanna ever want to contact me um or ask me a few questions about anything, that uh, is the best place to go. All right, and that does wrap it up for our episode. Thank you very much gentlemen for joining me. Thank you very much, you for hosting SG.
3: Thanks, mate. It was
0: great. Yeah, always good. And stay easy, stay breezy, guys. Laters everyone. Alright, take care everybody.